This podcast is not safe for work and will feature movie spoilers. It will feature scenes described of a graphic nature. It will contain language which most listeners may find offensive. Welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. Hi everyone and welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. This is your Christmas Eve episode. That's right, we are here again. And you know what? This isn't a commentary. We're going to do it. Well, no, we're actually never going to do a commentary because Baz hates them. Um, so what instead... <laughs> what we decided to do instead is uh, we opened the floor, which to be honest, like instantly I was... I was I had the fear um, to you guys on the Facebook group page, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash cast to pick the movie that you wanted. And surprisingly, you didn't pick, well, in my opinion, surprisingly, you didn't pick a bad movie. Baz hasn't seen it before his review, so we'll see how we get on here. But you chose Near Dark from 1987. Simply put, one of my favourite vampire movies of all time. Um, there was a bit of fifara. Uh, which I think is a technical term and as a result of that we are also going to be covering in a shorter form a review of something else before we get to that it would not be a Christmas Eve episode for the podcast Under the Stairs without introducing let's be honest he's the talent here I am purely the button pusher he is the man the myth the legend the Baz ho 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 sexy bitches happy Christmas one and all the Baz is just glad he is not commenting on anything tonight. <laughs> Which I will inevitably is... end up having to break down in one of those stupid bloody pieces series as well. Well, yeah, that's my that, at the moment that's been the template for all of them. Uh, and let's be honest, like they, they've been a lot of fun. They've been a lot of fun. They have been actually. Yeah. Uh, that's clearly my forte now. Is just <laughs> reviewing five minutes of a movie. That's my limit. No, they're hit 50. No, I'm not doing whole films anymore, Duncan. I'll give you five minutes, mate. Any five minutes you want, just pick five minutes. <laughs> You've got my best for five minutes, and then that's it. Um, like, to put things in perspective, though, we're not doing a commentary. There was no like full-on conscientious choice behind that, but through more chats with you, we have discerned. I don't think I fully appreciated it how much you actually dislike doing them. Like, I always kind of, oh, Baz is having a wee laugh. Oh, Baz is... And part of me, like, secretly gets off in the misery of others. Um, that's why no one should ever tell me something makes them, like, oh, that, you know, that that's gross, because then I'll go out my way to make that happen. Because um, it's just the way my brain is. You're like, literally putting a target on yourself. Uh, but yeah, like, as you described it most recently to me, it's over alcohol, which because you're not having a great time, you will drink more of. Yeah. Um, the movie is playing, because there's no subtitles on it, uh, you can't hear what the people are saying because it has to be at a level loud enough for you to obviously make out what's happening, 
but at the same time not so loud that the people that are speaking to you are not inaudible to you so as a result of that you're in some quasi weird limbo area like some purgatory between the world of watching the movie and hearing everything so you understand what's happening and listening to people chatting to you asking your opinions on things or asking you regaling if ever you go on a story which will often happen um at that point you lose track of everything that happens on the screen so then you come back in 10 minutes later without context we're all talking because we've seen the movie a million times how great it is and you've seen none of it so i didn't want to put you through that again which i think now transcribed to the audience out there they will appreciate the fact that maybe we won't do them again yeah and in fairness it's actually a little more than that with the problems i have with my hearing yeah the that confusion between the sound from the movie and the sound from you guys talking it's more than just a little bit of confusion it it, it's hard to explain it's very very uncomfortable and frustrating and just fucking awful and then we tend not to pick the best films the only good film we ever did a commentary of was grave encounters i would i would dispute that a hundred times over but i see i see what you're saying um oh no we did the last shift as well didn't we we did do the last shift but i think there's yeah, other ones in there that good. are good movies like um <laughs> didn't like them. but yeah i just I, I don't enjoy the experience and then as you say by 20 minutes in normally i don't have a clue what's happening and i've just lost all interest in, in commenting on the film like the messiest like we were talking like because we have that other show that we do with the scott and liam guys uh joss's shite which encourages us to drink on those shows right yes as drunk as you have been and there's one that springs to mind more recently where you were not well I think you were self-medicating and drinking, which is a terrible idea. <laughs> that was a terrible idea. Um, they're still not as drunk as you've been on some of those commentaries, which I think you do through boredom. <laughs> and self-loathing. <laughs> I just, I hate the fact I've been forced into doing it again. <laughs> well, we put in the, the people's hands and there was a lot of choices, to be honest with you. We're, we're, we're gonna we're gonna get a little bit of detail because we, obviously we have our secret chat with uh, with Scott and Liam, and um, I was remarking at how surprised I was that Near Dark had won because, like I said before, I think Near Dark is was a fucking great movie. Like yeah. I, I absolutely love it, um, and I mean, like directed by future Academy Award winning director uh, Catherine Bigelow, who went on to do Zero Dark Thirty, who's married to. I'm sure she, she was married, do, or at least she was she the one. to do goddamn point break. That's what she yes. wanted to do. The, the real one, the good one. Yeah, but she didn't get an Oscar for that, Maz. Uh, but she was she, she was the she was the other half of uh, James Cameron. She was like I, I, she was either married or she was like in a serious long term relationship with James Cameron, pretty much through the eighties and the nineties. And then they separated, and then she won an Oscar, and he made Avatar, and then no movies until avatar too so i'm just like she might be she might have been the creative uh master in the muse so to speak uh but yes she kind of cuts her teeth in a lot of respects with near dark i I think it's a brilliant movie but there was a lot of suggestions that are not near dark caliber that i genuinely thought were gonna like that i thought these are the ones that are gonna go in and then our good friend 
I think we can still call him our good friend. Uh, our good friend, one young Mr. Liam Rafferty, put forward the suggestion of Trash Humpers, which was a movie I hadn't seen before. Um, not for a long fucking time, because this one was notorious. Um, and we felt... Not we. I felt guilty that Liam's choice had been removed. And then Scott made a, a conversation about how great is Bazzi's review going to be if... Oh, this is actually a really well done scene. Uh, the acting's really good in this. <laughs> like, 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 it's like, the old piffy one-liners. I was like, Basil will find a joke somewhere. And he's like, ah, but it's not going to be great. Should have went with Trash Humper. So I was like, well, how about we segue smaller reviewing? Let's just start kind of over the top, just cliff notes. I know there isn't a lot in the movie anyway, so we'd probably like jump about quite easy. And um, we are going to do that at the first break. However, what I have found out, and we should probably put a disclaimer at the front here, which has tickled my asshole in a way which has made me so happy right now. Um, when I said to you, you did watch the movie, didn't you? What was your reply, Baz? Aye, I watched 10 minutes of it. <laughs> then I stopped. And do, and do you know, see you <laughs> thinking, I, I have never done that with a film. No, you watched all of August all Underground. All the years and yeah. some of the garbage yeah. that we that I have been made to watch for this show. Mm-hmm. And do you know what? I'm just too long in, in the memori- Was it In Memoriam? Is that the name of the movie? The like horrible, shitty, lo-fi film footage movie that actually did get a scare from you in the fucking credits of all places. I'm sure it's in memoriam. Um, it's that memorable that we can't remember it. <laughs> there was in memoriam. There was Bad Ben. Bad Ben was the other one. <laughs> so, uh, in memoriam was the year before. Um, and it was just, it wasn't very good. It was fucking shit. And um, like we, you sat through all that and it gave you, a, like it gave you, a, like a, I think the, the credits at the end were really creepy, um, which gave us pause for thought. You almost, you almost... We're like this is this is beaten Baz, but like yeah, like I, I come back to you watched an August Underground, which both of us at the time remarked is really and like as a as a as an exploration of what someone can do from a visual effects point of view with no money. From that point of view, it's interesting. I don't need to watch an hour and a half of it though. Yeah, I mean, a no. five-minute montage would have been fine. Uh, but you sat through all of that. You only got ten minutes through Trash Humpers. Yeah. <laughs> now. <laughs> <laughs> right, so just to clarify, so we've, we've been planning to do this past couple of weeks. I have not been well. I've really been quite unwell. Yes. Um, I was off my work a good portion of last week and a bit of this week as well. I've had a pretty serious chest infection. Yes. Taking some time to shift. Now, <laughs> I. In the past, if I'm ill, for some reason, I will latch on to something yep. around me at that time and kind of psychosomatically transfer my illness to that. Yep. The famous example of this being the album November Coming Fire by mm-hmm. Sawain, Glenn Danzig's band which I bought for an awful lot of money on import from 23rd Precinct Records in Glasgow when I was just a young lad. Came home, immediately fell ill, convinced myself that I was allergic to this vinyl record 
and gave it to uh, my pal Greg. I was uh, kind of going to swallow. And uh, yeah, that album's worth a fortune these days, can't it? Because Danzig's never reissued any of the Subway and stuff at all. Um, so it's really, really hard to get your hands on But it's on got a death curse on it, Baz, so that. has a death curse on it. You don't need the money. Uh, so anyway, in a similar thing, I, I I had watched the trailer for Trash Humpers a few weeks back, I think, just to go, what the fuck is this? Mm-hmm. I had a rough gist of what this was going to be. And I remember when I was kind of in my bed unwell. Which um, is probably the worst time to watch Trash Humpers, to be fair. Well, this is exactly so. I, I had watched Near Dark obviously good time to kill watching it I'll watch that trash him and I thought no do you know what it's going to be one of these movies that is going to make me feel worse and yeah. it's going to burrow into my head and I'm never going to be able to get it out so I didn't watch it so I only, I'd been so ill I didn't actually finish redoing my notes for Near Dark until just before we sat down to record mm-hmm. I finished them earlier on this evening my wife is now unwell so she was going to her bed and I was just sitting in one of the chairs with my laptop, finished watching your that, finished typing up my notes, and I downloaded that trash and I thought, I'll stick on it. I just watched it just now, 10 minutes, and I was like, nope, <laughs> that's not for me at all. I am 50 years of age. I am not putting myself through this. <laughs> um, I, just, I don't, I, honest to God, and the thing was, I feel that film peaks about two minutes in when the, the little guy literally humps the the wheelie bin. Yep. That, 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 I wouldn't say I smiled, right? <laughs> but it's the nearest yeah, I missed got a, to you one. Missed him, you missed him, like, on top of, a, like, a, an American dumpster, like, doing the same shagging motion and someone saying, fuck, it's trash pussy. I trailer. I think that's in the trailer. <laughs> the guy says, fuck, it's trash pussy. <laughs> you don't like that word. <laughs> I know, exactly. So now I'm glad I missed that. <laughs> it's like, um, there's, there's a couple of things I will see in... Defence is a strong word. There's a couple of words I will use, like a couple of, a couple of things I will use when we come back as exhibits of scenes that happen in the movie, which maybe belie a slight genius behind it. But... You are with a, a, a myriad of people that lasted about 10 minutes for the movie before switching off. There's a lot of people out there yeah. that do not like this movie. So Liam just, loves it, apparently, though. Which he said the word loves, and I was like, that's a strong, strong phrase to put against trash yeah. humpers. Liam smokes know. a lot of high-quality <laughs> drugs, though. And I can see if you are proper baked, like really annihilated... <laughs> On that sweet, sweet THC, <laughs> I can see how this film might be quite amusing. <laughs> Not when you're on fairly high-strength antibiotics. Yep, yep. Uh, you know what I mean? It has a very different effect. It's completely different. And, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I remember actually August Underground had popped into my head because it's got yep. that same god-awful video quality. Well, I think it's, I think I think um, if it's not shot on VHS. <coughs> look like it's yeah, shot it's VHS. This like, one definitely uh, is shot on VHS, but August Underground has that kind of underground tape-traded VHS sort of feel. Yeah, graininess kind of thing. Yeah, um, but I remember thinking that you know, at, at least August Underground 
there, there was a level of plot to it. There's a story. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a thin to... story. You can see right uh-huh. through it. There isn't necessarily a story. In fact, there isn't a story at Trash Humpers at all. It's more a series of slowly escalate it's kind of in a weird way it would be for like Poughkeepsie Tates would be like without the documentarian and the interview around it so see if you were just seeing the escalation of those videos one after a, no, one after each other the found videos like mm-hmm. without the context surrounding those they would be because remember at the beginning he does like strange things he's walked around with weird masks on you'd have to get through a lot of that before like the seriously disturbed shit kind of kicked in and that's kind of trash humpers, and even then, the seriously disturbed shit is all—it's all implied. It's all implied, than it is necessarily. I will speak about. We'll speak about it. But before we get to anyway, before we get to, it, we're going to talk about near dark. Before we get into our small break, and then our discussion on trash humpers, which I promise the listeners out there will be brief, because um, he's only seen ten minutes, and I don't want to be talking about a lot of things that I know for a fact from the look of your face, you're not going to go back and verify. So <clears throat> that movie's a that that is a ten and done for you. So I ain't got I ain't gonna I'm not gonna waste my my, my energy on that. But um, we've got through another year. We're we're at we the, we're at the end. Um, and it's been a f- fucking weird year for podcasts under the stairs. This is the final episode that we put out every year. And um, yeah, just just overall, it's been. It's been very bizarre, like just like a lot of weird things, a lot of roadblocks, a lot of a lot of life stuff. To be honest with you, which we've somehow managed to successfully avoid in the ten years up to the tenth anniversary, and then lots of fucking weird shit started happening, and just like horrible. And like the passing of time and and whatnot, things that will inevitably happen, but it would not be a podcast under the stairs year for me until we sit down at the end of it and uh, and, and kind of bring it back home with what well, like the episodes that the folks like they like they like the baz they like me interacting and mostly laughing to the baz um, so we're going we're we're going to do that for you uh, on this episode it would it would be incumbent on me uh, as a podcast host to ask if since the last time you recorded fuck knows when that was i think that may be in october Anything that you've seen that you really liked? Um, Midnight Mass on Netflix. Yes, which I've now finished. Um, good. Uh, yeah, so I, I picked that up. Oh, I think the last time I was on, I maybe mentioned it briefly. Yep. Um, but yeah, I finished that. I really enjoyed that show. It's fucking excellent. Um, yeah. I thought that was a really good... I, I really don't. I think I said this last time. I don't want to say too much about it because it, it it's the way it flips between genres almost kind of halfway yeah. through. But uh, I really really liked that. I liked the way they ended it. Um, I thought that was excellent. Um, and another one which I was a total random watch. It recorded off a of channel four, I think. And um, this was just the other week. It was an Irish film called Boys from County Hell. Yeah, which I have seen and I couldn't even remember and it wasn't until you posted the poster and I was like, that. oh, I've seen that movie. Yeah, yeah, I really, really enjoyed that. Um, a vampire movie, a kind of quirky Irish take on the uh, kind of Nosferatu 
Dracula, Stoker mythos type thing. Um, the only person in it I... No, I think there was maybe a couple in it that I knew, but the main one was the the girl. She was one of the girls from Derry Girls, very successful uh, Channel 4. I think it was the Derry Girls Irish comedy set during the Troubles, um, Mm -hmm. which which is excellent for anybody that's not seen it. It's really, really good, really funny. Um, But the girl that is in Boys from County Hell, in Derry Girls, she plays this almost kind of very spacey, constantly stoned, doesn't really know what's going on with the world type character um, mm. and she's totally not that in this movie and it, it was quite refreshing to see her playing that role kind of thing uh, but for a film where basically I knew I think two of the actors in it, um, I thought it was phenomenally well acted um, lots of pretty cool practical effects and stuff like that um, and just a nice little take on something that's been done a hundred times before, but they managed to find a kind of new way into it and a new way to keep you interested in the whole thing. And I thought that was really, really good. I really enjoyed that. Um, it reminded me a little bit about that. Uh, what was the one the guy from Emmerdale done? Was it Inbred? Yes, Inbred. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> that kind of a very British vibe to it, albeit it's an Irish film. Right, mm-hmm. I'm sort of lumping them in. We'll, we'll, we'll take take it all back eventually, anyway. So we'll just, we'll just call it <laughs> British for the sake of it. <laughs> so, just try to get us bombed out, big man. <laughs> um, yeah, kind of reminded me of that. It's fairly low budget and stuff like that, but they they, they work well with what they've got, mm-hmm. which I've got a lot more time for than just chucking money at something and it yes. a steaming pile of shit anyway. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, really enjoyed that movie the other night. Um, that that was a big fave as well. That was yourself awesome. anything interesting recently? I, I did really want to go and see that Godzilla film the other night. I think but, you would uh, like it just quite a bit uh, because it's um, so it's uh, right after uh, the end of the Second World War. So. Um, the time right, period. It's almost like an origin kind of story. Well, yeah. So, so like, I, I, I obviously misinterpreted because freaking I don't, I can't know everything. But I thought minus one referred to the fact that I saw it as a prequel to Godzilla. So Godzilla set in the fifties. The original Japanese Godzilla okay. is set in the fifties. This one like starts in forty five and finishes by I think it's forty seven, forty eight. Um, so my assumption was the minus one was it was minus the first one but apparently minus one refers to the it's a specific term that refers to post uh, Hiroshima and uh, Nagasaki Ah. which I didn't know about so um, I think that's what it actually refers to so it's it's a kind of prequel to the Godzilla story very 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 well done Um, I can see why people are like very high on it this year I think some people are a bit too high on it this year if I'm being honest I think from a, a point of view of it doesn't have a colossal budget it's a like relatively small Japanese movie for, for all intents and purposes um, the fact that it's secured its biggest uh, its highest grossing box office in America and looks like it's going to do the same in Europe um, for a Japanese movie is kind of huge for their film industry, 
but also first and foremost it's a godzilla movie which like doesn't have all the trappings of hollywood like godzilla and this is evil as fuck he goes around mm. eating people and he's determined to destroy like humanity which is something we don't often get in our godzilla movies now like so like he's got a real fucking nasty streak but there all there's also a story specifically like the godzilla movie the original godzilla movies were <clears throat> a kind of causal effect of like a broken country so japan comes out of the second world war basically not only destroyed by like atomic bombs which oppenheimer obviously covers but like moreover on that their their society their society was set up to believe that the emperor the king essentially the emperor was god mm. and he he denounced his godhood like when they surrendered you basically said yeah. i'm not a god so for the for those people that is a fundamental breaking with reality and tradition that they'd had for hundreds of years so it kind of broke it broke them as a people but it, it kind of deals with the idea of the expenditure of human life uh, the main character in it is uh uh the guy that we follow is a kamikaze pilot who doesn't want didn't go through with his orders so lands on an island claiming that his planes malfunctioned um and that's where he first encounters godzilla and this is 1945 and then we kind of follow his life through to 47 when <clears throat> Godzilla comes back and this weight that hangs over him over his inactions and the way that society per perceives him as a coward for not going through with what you know what was divine fate like they have a very like even nowadays the Japanese have a very 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 relaxed attitude towards suicide it's it's, it's very very scary but it kind of deals with that aspect. So it's always about the society in the background. And that's what I love about like the original Godzilla movies, less so the ones that kind of trundled through the 70s and 80s. But And it kind of sticks true to that. So it really puts a, a strong emphasis on that. Um, my my overall thoughts were, past it, I thought it was a great monster movie. I love those things. I don't think it's the best movie I've seen this year. Which is what a lot of people are. I love, like, I think it's an overreaction because, like, Godzilla movies, for all intents and purposes, minus Shin Godzilla, which came out a couple of years ago, have been relatively mediocre. Even the Hollywood ones have been relatively mediocre. And then this one seems like a return to form, but I feel like that return to form is being escalated to a point where the movie is actually not. It's just my personal opinion. I've seen better movies this year. I'm also, I'm always caught up on the is Godzilla a horror movie or not? I've, I've always been that way, where they get talked about on these, and I would talk about a movie like uh, Boon John Ho's um, The Host as a horror movie, but when it comes to Godzilla, I'm always a bit reluctant, because I always feel like it kind of transcends into action, and this one certainly has more horror leanings, but it's not the best horror movie I've seen this year. There are, there are a good handful more better ones if it is for other people that's great it's done an immense amount of money toho studios will be over the moon with it i dare say we'll get something moving forward and if they want to look back through and kind of do remakes of what they've done before in that lineage it'll be really really cool I, I, there's a lot of it which i thought was very 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 well done i think you for the time period would appreciate a lot of what is mentioned in it and specifically yeah. the stuff around the culture of japan post the war which they lean into 
heavily this uh, idea of it's like so like his inaction on the island that he lands at with the first discover Godzilla results in the death of some engineers. This is right at the beginning. So the death of some engineers and there's one survivor there who basically gives him the photos of the dead soldiers as is, you know, that you know, this is what your inaction caused and this is now something mm. you will have to bear on your soul. And this character carries this as like a fucking anvil weight on him beyond this point that basically shapes who he is as a as a person right throughout. You don't get stuff like that in Hollywood movies. You know, if it was in a Hollywood movie, it'd be a five-minute flashback and, yeah. you know, like a, a bit of kind of trite dialogue. And and this one, the actually, it's, it's ever-present in almost every scene, which is, is good storytelling. It should be it should be that way. But, um, yeah, so I think it'll not be long before it's out if you don't get a chance to see it in the cinema. I yeah, think yeah. I think you will enjoy it. Is, uh, is Godzuki in this one? Godzuki is not in this one, you son of a bitch. Um ah. <laughs> Give it time, give it time, uh, give it time. Right, ladies and gents, we're going to take a very short break. Uh, you're going to see the trailer, which apparently bars from this new exactly what he was getting into for Trash Humpers. When we return, we're having a short conversation on the 10 minutes Baz watched as I try and fill some of the blanks in in the movie, which doesn't really want to be sensical in any way. Um, and then we're going to get into the meat of this episode as we discuss Near Dark. We're going to be right back to do that right after this. Just any old car. people don't understand is that we choose to live like free, free, free people. Welcome back. So you've just seen the trailer for Trash Humpers. Uh, stop shaking your head. Uh, the movie was written at, written and directed by Harmony Corine. Corine? Corine? I don't know how you pronounce it. K-O-R-I-N-E. Corine. He's American. Corine. Coran. Harmony Coran. Ye fucking how. Um... I mean, there's no point of going through the cast. Um, this follows the lives of a small group of psychopathically psychopathic elderly people in Nashville, Tennessee. This is fucking bull country. This is where Bo lives. Is Nashville? I'm sure it's Nashville. He lives. At... Is it Nashville? I'm sure it's Nashville. Yeah. That Bo's in. Yeah. So yeah, I'm also sure that Bo is not involved with this project. <laughs> <laughs> Um, what were you, like, what what was it? I, I I know the answer. To this this is a stupid question. What was it that made you hit stop after ten minutes? 
I, I genuinely, I, I just knew. I, I just, do you know what? I, I just couldn't think of one possible reason not to. <laughs> To be quite frank, I was like, this is just dreadful. And it's already gone downhill in the 10 minutes that I've watched, so I can only imagine where it's going to end up. And I, I genuinely, I, I remember just sitting there, my wife's sleeping on the couch, and I'm like, look at this in me. I've got, there's 45 minutes till I'm due to record the dunk. But it was neither an hour. I think I was going to, if I had I watched the whole thing, I would have probably had to like, message you to say I'm running a bit late. Yep. And um, I just thought, no. Nah. <laughs> nah, no dying for these that. bastards. Nice big long shit or something like that <laughs> while I'm waiting. Um, yeah, there was just... Uh, and I don't mind a bit of the weird. You know what I mean? Um, <coughs> I just chuck a greasy strangler my way or something like that. I'm quite, I'm quite happily sit through the whole thing. Do you know what I mean? But um, nah, I, I just, I, I just think I know what they were trying to do. I think they were just trying to be as weird as fucking possible, and there was it, nothing it, to back it up. There was no story. There was no acting. It was just dog shit. So the only, the only way I could try and salvage something from the movie is like like I mentioned before, it's it's about escalation. So each of the, each of the skits, not all of them, but like integral parts in the movie itself, the the subject matter gets a, it's not even that it's weird. It gets a bit edgier, or they incorporate something in which feels kind of you know like can you can stand back a little bit and go right that's it's really fucking strange like they have a there's a scene where they because it's not just the characters in their masks of which it's predominantly them all the way throughout the movie they interact with other people yeah there was um, a wee kid in a suit yeah so yeah so the wee kid like he gets involved with this kind of like this doll so they have a doll which is actually in a bag yeah baby doll with a bag yeah. over it which in itself is kind of fucked up um yeah. and then we obviously see how this doll is treated over a period of like five ten minutes etc and uh, culminates with the boy kind of smashing the doll on the head with a hammer like over and over and over again the movie at the end loops around with one of the characters actually having a real baby in their arms and kind of quasi being in a position where they might have to look after it and you've seen all the irresponsible behavior and all the things they've done before that in some way the movie is implanting in your head that actually this child might be in danger obvious danger um, if you've seen what they've been up to but it's kind of it's that sort of thing so as you work through the movie they set up things done in a certain light in a weird kind of almost kind of bizarre off the wall sort of arty comedy kind of black humor piece and then later on in the movie it's introduced in a way or the themes are introduced in a way which feels a lot more grounded and real which then adds to the unsettling nature of it that's about the highlight i can say for the movie is that is what i have mined out it for the most part it is it's an exploration of low lo-fi vhs filmmaking which in the era of this is made 2008 2009 like by this point, things like bum fights had already been and gone. Yeah. Remember bum fights? I do yeah. remember bum fights. Yeah, yeah. So like I don't all, think I all saw that shit. Them, but... 
yeah, all that shit had happened like almost a decade before. So, like, it kind of it weirdly plays off that sort of where you know, and like, like the guys that were like CKY and Jackass and stuff like that, all those kind of like because they even open with their being pushed in trolleys and falling over and like it starts off like like an old CKY video um mm-hmm. so like, there's a lot of that which is like kind of not paying homage that's giving it too much credit but in in the oeuvre of those those sorts of things which weirdly valid kind of validates its not even its premise but validates its existence and then from there you Ultimately, the grounding thing is like they always come back to the fact that these old guys will hump dryly um, wheelie bins or any sort of bins um, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and peek through windows. And Liam thought this would be a great movie for you to discuss. Um, which either means that Liam Fucking just wants to see the world man. burn, which could be a possibility, um, <laughs> or he doesn't like you, Buzz. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just I know what it's like I, I think he just thought it would be hilarious and do you know what I'm just I'm so old and crotchety just now <laughs> and not being well has not helped and I was like nah nah to be honest when it did when when it didn't make it through and I, I voted for it as well because I genuinely thought it would break you um, but then I thought you'd watch it all. So I, I'm I, like, I, like there was no way we were coming around this and you were going to be like that is a fucking great movie, Duncan. Like, I'd never in a second thought that was going to happen. Um, no, do you know, at one point, I was like, I, I could do something quite funny here. Like, I think that's what we, I think that's what he was hoping is you would have, like, character names and, like, you would make the no, story. No, it was, it was more that it. I was going to come on and do the kind of, I, I just think it's so brave what he's done you know all that kind of all and then going ah it's fucking pity. every then, generation again, has its movie <laughs> again I just thought nah that's my overriding feeling of this film just nah well Don't ladies and gents that has been our brief and I kept it under 10 minutes so I'm going to take that as a fucking win um, I'm not going to ask you for a score because you didn't complete it so <laughs> Uh, that feels unfair but every like I'll tell you right now every now and again we deliver we deliver on what we said we're going to do and we have right now so we're actually going to fulfil our contractual obligation to you guys the listeners by actually reviewing what you selected which was Near Dark yes. from 1987 we'll take a very short break again you're going to see the trailer for the movie when we return uh, it's time to talk about vampires in a way which we maybe haven't done before We'll find out. We're going to be doing it right after this. I sure haven't met many girls like you. No, you haven't met any girls like me. I put my hand on the stocking. Hey, I was moving nice and slow. Get my fingers do the walking. And it ain't far to go. Don't kill me.
dark. Pray for daylight. And welcome back, ladies and gents. You've just seen the trailer for Near Dark. It was your pick. It won handsomely, actually, overall. Um, it wasn't like one or two ahead. It was considerable bit ahead. It was a last-minute push for Near Dark. Made me very, very happy. This is a movie that Bass has never seen before. We've had the weird conversation, I know we have, where I love Lost Boys, you love Lost Boys. Yeah. But this came out same year as Lost Boys. I love this more than I love the Lost Boys. And I know in your brain, anything that's been mentioned before, what you're thinking about is, if I apply pressure to the trachea, I can kill him. <laughs> like, yes. Because we know that you, st- you still believe... Um, I was going to start gyrating, but I've not done my crunchies, so um, the six pack's not quite there. Um, I'm going to go and get my son's little paper paper <laughs> saxophone that he had on his, uh, his nativity thing the other day. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, all the early Christians played the saxophone as a sexy instrument. I mean, yeah, I, get I get it. I get it. Yeah. So uh, this one for me is. Better movie. We'll get into thoughts about music, etc., etc. Also, I've had a had a lot longer with this movie than you have. Um, this one is directed by Catherine Bigelow. We mentioned it before. She went on to great things. She's done a, a fucking smorgasbord of like incredible genre content, including horror movies, dramatic thrillers, action movies, like Baz mentioned before. Um, it's based and also co-produced by Eric Reed. Eric Reed is a fascinating author. Um, he also wrote a little, uh, a little, um, <coughs> a little movie, screenplay movie, uh, for The Hitcher, which is also one of my favourite movies. And The Hitcher has that kind of out in the middle of nowhere Americana kind of dust bowl sort of, you know, small town sort of like has all that inbuilt into the movie. It's why I think it's so effective. Um, and they were were just introducing vampires in this one with a similar sort of setting, which, which I kind of love. The movie itself, fucking incredible cast. Like, across the board, this has an incredible cast. Uh, we have Lance Henriksen, we have Bill Paxton, we have Adrian Pastor, we have Jenny Wright, we have Tim Thomerson, Kenny Cole, Troy Evans, Bill Cross, Edward Colbert. Uh, there are some other people, like Thomas Wagner in here. Um, but the synopsis for this one, I'm looking forward to getting into the guts here is a small a small town farmer's son reluctantly joins a traveling group of vampires after he's bitten by a beautiful drifter there you go uh so not quite twilight but not far off it um they just don't sparkle in this one uh baz before we get into you are not adverse to a vampire film or two, we've we've discussed a few in our time here. Not we've not deep dived by any stretch of the imagination, but you have enjoyed the occasional vampire movie. The aforementioned Lost Boys being probably one of your favourites. Yeah, the Lost Boys is a one of those films kind of from my younger years um, that I think I probably had recorded mm. um, off the terrestrial television back in the day and it would be on one of my VHSs. So I had a fairly heavy rotation and I always, I think I've spoken in the past, certainly in the old Rock and Reel reviews days, um, yeah. The Lost Boys is probably one of my all-time favourite movie soundtracks. Um, yeah. I found it's, it's one of the few that I can actually just stick on and listen to as an album. Um, there's very little filler 
and a whole lot of killer in that one. <laughs> um, so yeah, no, I love the Lost Boys. Um, you and I did Thirty Days a Night way back in the day. We've done a few. We, we did Thirty Days a Night. I was thinking while yeah. we were chatting there, Thirty Days a Night. We have done a girl walks home alone at night, which is a vampire movie. We also Let did right one in Fright Night. We did Fright Night, yeah. We did Let the Right One In. Let the Right One In. Um, so yeah, yeah, we've a done a few. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. A couple, of, a couple of big ones. Like if you ask people about the eighties and vampire movies inevitably Near Dark comes up, Lost Boys comes up, and Fright Night comes up as like the, yeah. the, big, kind of, the, the big standout three. Um, yeah, I mean, th- this was certainly of... a film that I had become aware of. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I believe with the aborted Baz V Halloween this year, Near Dark was one of the films that we had discussed doing. Weirdly, this was that, one that yeah. I had. This is one that I had. Weirdly, the, the audience have picked up here and kind of put forward something quite interesting. The the, the idea we had was that we were going to pair up um, as kind of as our side movies similar to last year we were going to run a theme and that was vampire movies from each continent and from Mm. america i picked near dark purely because i couldn't think of any other time i would get a chance to get you to watch near dark and we've been talking about it for a while so that's kind of how it ended up there weirdly that ended up being the the pick if i had had the choice of picking any one movie from that list of vampire movies to get you watch it probably wouldn't have been near dark it would have been thirst but um, this is where they landed, and to be honest, I'm over the moon that this is where we have actually landed on because, like I say, I, I think this is fun. I think this is an excellent movie, but most of it comes down to the way that it's so different from other vampire movies, which mm-hmm. is kind of why I love it. Um, so yeah, we've we've ended up here. We've ended up in the weird weird position of doing a movie that I actually really want you to do, which is not usually what I get when we have. A listener choice. We both end up usually being miserable and having to pay penance for yielding control to 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 people that just want to hear us both miserable. So, and you may still be miserable. I don't know what your thoughts on this one are, but I, for one, am happy. So, we'll see how long that lasts. Um, Baz, the floor is yours. Um, regale us with your experiences in your dark. Strap in, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, near dark. I have to say, I was quite excited about this one. Um, was was far from disappointed when it won. I've got to say, mm-hmm. um, I hadn't realised it was a Catherine Bigelow film. Um, and I I am a big fan of a lot of her films. Uh, you know, Point Break was always one of my favourite action movies when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Um, but even later on, like films like Zero Dark Thirty, I remember watching that with my wife. Uh, I absolutely loved that film. Yeah. Um, really thoroughly enjoyed. She's a great filmmaker, Catherine Bigelow. So I've got a lot mm-hmm. of time for that. It, the one disappointing thing about this film, straight from the office, it's quite hard to get your hands on a physical copy of Near Dark nowadays. It's or like a good kind of copy. That, yeah, that should be sort of this year coming. Um, <coughs> so there's a there is there has been like a lengthy discussion of a 4K UHD release of the title finally. Um, and that it's like it's, there's been various rights issues with it, uh, which have resulted. I think it only ever got released on DVD. I don't yeah, I actually even know if it was ever released in Blu-ray in the UK. I don't think it was. 
Yeah. Um, I don't think it was, and even the kind of region one, they're quite hard to get your hands yes. on. Um, the DVDs, you, you can get DVDs out there, but then you're paying for quite a lot of money for a DVD. A, a DVD, yeah, DVD, that's not good. Like, oh, no. <laughs> you know, I, I do kind of it a bit, I would much rather have a Blu-ray nowadays kind mm. of thing. Anyway, that's by the by. Um, Duncan got me a perfectly legitimate copy to watch, and I settled down <laughs> the other week there. And dipped a toe in the dusty, dusty Incredibly difficult to get, dark. but Duncan got me a perfectly legal <laughs> copy. <laughs> the movie itself opens with a young urban cowboy cruising the mean streets <laughs> in this bitch and beat up old Ford truck. Yep. Now, the, the truck envy was palpable right from <laughs> the word going. Yeah, are you a truck like, man? Oh god, aye, but I want one like that, like one of those old kind of classic um, American Ford trucks. How did I not know this? That. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You something new every day. I did not know I've, that. I've long wanted one of them. Oh. Um, yeah, so he's driving through what we assume is his hometown. Um, the whole thing, so obviously it's, it's, a, it's an 80s movie, it's set in the 80s, it's got that kind of, <coughs> I don't. I think it's set in Oklahoma. I think um, so, yeah. Which, I, I was doing a little bit of kind of background research, I, I had initially written the, the term Rust Belt down, but I don't believe Oklahoma I don't think Oklahoma is, I, I use the term as the well, Rust but... Belt. I, mm. Um, it, it, but it's got that kind of you know faded glory. The you know a, a kind of midwestern town probably had a plant, a meatpacking plant or something in its heyday. You know, it's mm-hmm. now gone to the wall. Um, it paints a kind of bleak picture of it. Um, he then hooks up with a couple of his less upwardly mobile friends who, to be quite <laughs> frank, he appears to openly despise. Like, from the minute he meets them, he's, he clearly fucking hates them. But he soon, uh, he ditches them fairly quickly for this little pixie-haired street-walking she-devil in denims. <laughs> uh, who's uh, sucking off an ice cream cone that <laughs> down the block. Uh, she reveals her name to be May. Oh. And yes, she may. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I did find it quite hysterical. It was literally like, right, fuck you, I'm off. And I think one of his pals initially goes to make the first move and he literally just kind of was like, nope, I'm going. Yep. <laughs> All right then. You know what I mean? It is, it is a tad misogynistic. Um... I mean, a few minutes later, they've hopped into his truck and they head off into the pitch black night of the Oklahoma desert. Um, it was at this point I named our, our young hero. Here we go. Uh, I believe he is played by Adrian Pazdar, is that yes, right? that's right, yeah, yeah. I think went on to star in Heroes. It's is probably his right? biggest role, but... Like, <laughs> that's I recognised him from. Yeah, we covered him, and he's um he's a psych a psychologist father in a home movie, which we covered many moons ago as well. Oh yes, yes, I, that's right. But that's yeah, he's right. he's big. His big breakout role was Heroes. Um, I think in terms yeah. of young in this yeah. though, he looks super young in this. 
He does look super young in this. He's uh, he's rocking a very eighties kind of brown leather bomber jacket, <laughs> uh, of which I used to have one. Not a million miles away from it. He's got his uh, Stetson. He's got his, his cowboy boots on. Uh, reminiscent, perhaps, of the movie Footloose to Ooh. an extent. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so we're going to call. I think we're going to see reminiscent of. Big Scott Howley. It's <laughs> like, yep, yep, I can see. He also has bad No, 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 it's more reminiscent of uh, Footloose, hence the fact we will be calling him Kevin Faken. <laughs> like that. <laughs> now, it's safe to say at this point that young Kevin Faken is hornier than a dog with two dicks. <laughs> He's uh, he's basically coerced this young ice cream filleter into his car, <laughs> and he's, uh, he's practically dry humping their legs while he's driving the truck, which is oh, quite yeah. impressive, has mm-hmm. to be said. Um, it's those automatics, isn't it? That's <laughs> last, it's barely even driving. It's essentially a remote control car. Um. <laughs> Yeah, she gets him to pull over, probably just to stop him fucking touching her. Uh, he he thinks he's about to get all sorts of eight. He's lucky. Oh, yeah. um, it turns out she just wants to listen to the night. All right, hen. But <laughs> it, he keeps keeps trying to kiss her, and she she's like dodging tongues just left, right, and centre at this point. Uh, and dropping a surprising amount of hints that she's a vampire. Yeah. You know, I mean, she's, she's the girl is not hiding things, you know, in, in between, like, fending off tongue blows. Um, he's, uh, yeah, he's, he's did quite have, Did insistent. you have garlic with dinner tonight? Did you have garlic with dinner? Yeah. <laughs> um, now... What has to be mentioned at this point is all through this kind of opening, maybe 10 minutes, I think, up to this point, there is a fucking rad synth soundtrack oh, from yeah. Tangerine oh, Dream. Just Dude, playing over them. the top of it. And it is, it's not quite, because I, I checked this in my second watch, but it's almost constant through the film. Yeah. Doesn't matter whether <laughs> there's dialogue going on, nothing. It's just always there in the background and it's brilliant yeah i love now, like tangerine dream for me uh like when it comes to scores specifically in the 80s scored some of my favorite movies yeah yeah, uh, yeah. You, know, like, and you the, can always rely on them and the ones that are the best ones are the ones where the director clearly went go and just do something with the movie like just write something over yeah, the movie watch and he, this and can you yeah. do something and he yeah. just went away and did it for the whole fucking movie as opposed to writing yeah. like two or three tracks that are looped again and again yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and I think the strength of it is it see it. See if I pick up on something like that in a yeah. film, you yeah. know it's been it's done well because normally yeah. stuff like that just washes by me, and then they'll play I don't know, a fucking sweet child of mine and like, oh, it's like a <laughs> I know there, do you know what I mean? <laughs> but this, it, it, it's just all through it. It does nothing but add to the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at no point you're like, oh, I wish they'd fucking shut up with that fucking guitar. Do you know what I mean? A phrase you probably never thought you would hear, Duncan. Um, to be honest, I heard that a lot from you. Um, so, 
but yeah, no, it's absolutely brilliant. Um, I, I can't talk highly enough of it. Um, mm-hmm. And like I say, to me, it, it's it's measure is how much it actually adds to this film. And that's so, so- I am not decrying the film there either. Yeah. I'm stressing just the, the craftsmanship of this score. It's also against the odds of the movie. Like the movie, like where like you mentioned before, it's in Oklahoma, it's cowboys, it's people drilling yeah, like that. Yeah, like, yeah. The, what what Hollywood would dictate to you is the score that should be on this movie should be some sort of panging like steel guitar and yeah. you know like lots of sliding and all the rest and what, uh, you, what you get is actually what is predominant now in horror movies which is predominant synth all the way synth. right through yeah, yeah, so, yeah. oh yeah. I, I i no I, I agree entirely i mean possibly they might have pushed the boat out and thrown a wee jean bon in there for a five minutes do you know what i mean hey we're um, halfway there we're, we're, we're shot down in a blaze of glory as it were i have you know i have the 4k uhd steelbook of that movie i young guns too uh, or both uh, but Young Guns and Young oh, Guns too. God and you know I bought them guns, purely because too. I remember being fucking obsessed with those movies as like a young teenager I have never watched them since I got them you know no they're in the oh, I am um, oh I loved it I had uh, a, a bought copy of Young Guns the first mm. one on VHS that was just watched to absolute <laughs> death. And I'm fairly sure the second one I had probably recorded off the tell. I, I, to this day, would watch Young Guns at the drop of a hat. It's up there with kind of, um, what, The Untouchables, just one of those oh, yeah, films. Yeah. I would just drop in halfway through it, and I've seen yeah. it that many fucking times, I can just keep watching it. <laughs> Do you guys see the size of that goddamn chicken? We're in the spirit world, asshole! They can't see us! It's my very best, Dermot Mulroney. <laughs> oh, I think I've blown my fucking vocal cords but out What there. are you doing? What are you doing here? <coughs> you need to finish this review. Nah, oh, we're nearly there. Thank anyway. you, Lover. We're nearly at the end at the beginning. Turns out she's a vampire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that was the score. Um. Mm. So young Kevin Fakin decides to take this girl to see his horse. Uh, she is remarkably unperturbed by all the, the fucking ropes that he then appears with. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Given the fact she's in the absolute middle of nowhere in the pitch black. A <laughs> uh, horse is fucking terrified here. Uh, they start making out a wee bit. She then starts freaking out about the time and the sun coming up. Mm-hmm. Uh, he puts this down to maybe possibly a strict father. Uh, so he then thinks that this is just the perfect time to pull the old 80s cock it or walk it routine <laughs> <clears throat> which for anyone that is either not old enough or not Scottish enough to know what that was that that was basically you were driving a girl in the middle of fucking nowhere and then essentially refusing her to take her home until she had consented to intercourse and I say yeah. consented in the loosest possible terms um, practice that is no longer practiced. In it's no, no, no longer condoned. Um, yeah, so, so he basically pulls this. So she relents, but to teach him a lesson, she bites him and turns him into a vampire. Yeah. It's um, on him. Yeah, it's entirely to blame. Entirely to blame. <laughs> uh, she runs off and he tries to follow her, but the truck's dead, so he starts walking home as the sun starts to rise. Um... 
he's getting kind of weaker and weaker as he's stumbling across these fields and then there's basically smoke coming off him which is quite mm-hmm. funny to watch uh, he's nearly back at his old man's farm uh, we see his little sister and his dad working the working the steers um, and then they see him staggering across the field and then a massive RV comes rolling out of nowhere and just grabs him up so inside this RV we meet the rest of May's vampire crew mm-hmm. We have the demented Severin, played by Bill Paxton. And then this great is, in this movie. Yeah, he is and, great in this movie. And this is good old coked up Bill Paxton. <laughs> you know, I mean, this is uh, this is just right off the back of Aliens. Why don't yep. you put her in charge? Um, and he is just mental in this, yep. in, in the very best possible way. Um we have Diamondback, who's a kind of uh, mother figure that goes out with a leader who's called Jesse. Mm-hmm. Interestingly, Diamondback was also in Aliens with Bill Paxton. She was indeed. She yeah. was the Vasquez. female Vasquez, the female yeah. marine. That's right. And Fucking the holy triumvirate. The holy triumvirate is topped off by Lance Hendrickson, uh, who is the leader in this movie, Jesse. And then uh, it's almost as if we almost, it's almost as if. Catherine Bigelow's husband, James Cameron, directed Aliens. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a bit later on when they're walking through town and Aliens is shown in the fucking cinema in the background. <laughs> it's almost as if. <laughs> um, Little known fact, I don't know if you knew this. Um, so, uh, did you know that Lance Henriksen originally was cast to play the Terminator? No, I didn't. There you go. I didn't know. Long time collaborator with James Cameron. Not so. having seen any Terminator films. That good. Doesn't mean much to me. <laughs> um, and the last one is this little kid called Homer. Yeah. Um, who is May's sire, and he's also the oldest of them all, even mm-hmm. though he's trapped in a tiny fat kid's body. Yeah. Um, they're all up for killing. Kevin Faking, but May reveals that she's turned them. They're not too happy about this. Uh, but they just pitch up on a big kanger thing and all go to bed. Um, back at the ranch, Kevin Faking's dad, Paul Faking, we're going to call him. He's just giving it to the cops. <laughs> Paul Faking. <laughs> Nightfall, and the vamps are arguing what to do with Kevin Faking. Uh, Jesse decrees basically that he's got a week to become one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they then all kind of introduce themselves to him, including that wee Dick Homer, who for some reason insists on holding Kevin Faken's cock. Clearly tells him who <laughs> he, he is. Like it. it's not just like a. It's not like just like a like a, a you know a flick. He like it's a uh, full hand. Yeah, yeah, and then just Dick and holds on to them. Yeah. Honestly, he's like the most molesty wee fucking ten year old I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> um <clears throat> He's a fucking he's a Catholic priest wet dream. <laughs> he really is. He really is. Pax nips out on the rob, boosts the worst station wagon in American automotive history. Which for some reason he is he is an absolute raging hard on for. Then they torch the R V. Uh, they hole up in a big shed Kevin mm-hmm. Faken and uh, Pixie Cut head off on their own uh, he's starting to Jones for some fresh blood 
but he doesn't know that that's what it is at this mm-hmm. point in time. Uh, attempts to go home, passes a movie theater showing aliens. Uh, <coughs> excuse me, sorry. Um, he ends up in a bus station trying to buy a ticket, but he's short in cash. Yeah. Falls foul of an eighties undercover cop. <laughs> By the way, this guy, this actor here, I think was typecast as eighties cop. And everything. Is he in hundreds of them, is he? I actually almost. Th- I think he might be in Terminator as well. <laughs> Memory serves. He's one of the cops in Terminator when Terminator breaks into the police station and kills everyone. Right. I'm sure he's there as well. He just that was his typecast. He always played cop. Well, in this one, he actually ends up fronting Kevin faking the extra money for yeah. his bus ticket and doesn't make him suck his cock. <laughs> so, it's not very historically accurate looking back it's on it. Historically but, accurate. Um, he has to go off the bus basically because he's dying. He runs into me again. Uh, basically by the grace of fucking God and then she feeds him from herself which kind of cuts across some of the traditional vampire mythos but we'll we'll move on for that Uh, (coughs) there's a brief scene with the dad and the sister for some reason this nine year old girl sleeps with a shotgun next to her bed Oklahoma was indeed Uh, Cops tell the dad that he needs to bear with them, but he decides that they're going to head out on their own and look for Kevin Faken. Um, he then calls home but misses them because they're headed out to look for him. Slams the phone down. Whole phone box moves. Why are US phone boxes so flimsy? Well, the, 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 this is actually a valid point. Um, at, like In the UK, not that we have many of them now, but like I, I had one at the side of my house. Right. The big raw iron red bastards. No, no, no. I had one of those like with the, they replaced the the like fucking red ones with like the the traditional BT one. All oh, right, yeah. aye, aye, aye. I swear to God, the one like grown up and and not the nicest of areas. <laughs> um, this phone box was pissed in, set on fire. Like I think fireworks were set off in it, like big fireworks, like like everything to destroy it fucker still worked and was still standing yeah. like, like it was built to last like <laughs> no fucking idea any like telephone box i've seen in american movies it looks like if a strong breeze came along yeah. they would fucking fall over and it's like they're origami <laughs> fucking origami phone box anyway we'll move on uh yeah, so he's then trying to teach Kevin Faking how to be a vampire, but says he's got to learn to kill. Mm. Um, we get a kind of montage of other members of the crew seducing and tricking some victims. Uh, one guy uh, gets picked up by Jesse and Diamondback, uh, but it turns out he's got an accomplice and he tries to hold them up. Yeah. They end up dead as fuck. <laughs> um, Listen, if, you, if you're a thief... And you go to like I don't know rob someone, and they seem happy about that, and then start playing yeah. like good old fashioned heavy metal music as they're driving along. Get the fuck out of there! Yeah, yeah. you know like, you don't yeah. be like oh yeah this is totally working according to plan. Like 
Like, yeah. yeah, they end up. This really, man does really not seem concerned. I'm threatening to rape his wife. <laughs> I have a knife, and this guy seems okay with Surprisingly cool with this. Which, like, like the probably the time to mention, we've mentioned how fucking great Paxton is. Henriksen is, like, legit scary as fuck. He is, yeah, he plays he's it fucking t- he's, he's put, like, you mentioned it, like, the year before, he was mild-mannered bishop. Yeah. You know, not bad for a human. You know, like, like, uh, like I can't hurt a human being. And this one, he looks like he could kill every human being. He's like, this is like, I, I like genuinely love Lance Henriksen as a... Yeah, as I like Lance Henriksen a lot. As yeah. a genre actor, I fucking adore him in this role. Uh-huh, I, I think uh-huh. he's he's perfect for the kind of gnarled, grizzly alpha of this fucking group of vampires. Yeah, wouldn't wouldn't argue with that at, at all. Um, Kevin Faken and May they've hitched a ride with this coked up black trucker, um, who for some reason decides he's going to teach young Kevin Faken how to drive an Arctic fucking truck. Which once again didn't force him to suck him off. Which I mean, exactly. The, the very little, very little forced oral sex in this film, which for a film of the eighties, is, is, is it Jane Silent Bob Strike Back? Um, where did, did you ever see Jane Silent Bob Strike Back? Am I about to commit I like a, so. a, a movie reference? Oh, the the um, they they end up bumping into George Carlin, who's hitchhiking, and um, they're like, "We're getting nowhere with the hitchhiking." He's like, "That's because you need to give them a little bit of head when you're doing it," and they're like that what the fuck is like that he's, he's like it's in the book and they're like what book and he's like the unwritten book of the road <laughs> yeah in this movie there is abs- there's a lot of truckers there's a lot of truck people there's a lot of authority figures all of them just being helpful <laughs> like yeah this guy even teaches him how to drive this big lorry and tells him all about the perils of jackknifing which will come in handy later I will it's, uh, that uh, is Chekhov's jackknife they, they stop the truck, May bites him, and then Kevin Faken feeds off her again while some extremely erotic oil pumps are going at it, hammer and tongs oh, in the aye. fucking background. Look at them pumping. Shagging the earth like trash humpers. <laughs> earth humpers. <laughs> A new movie from Catherine uh, <laughs> Paul Faken phones the sheriff. Uh, he tells him that Kevin Faken was spotted at a Kansas bus station, but he's trying to go home. Mm-hmm. Pause in Waco, Texas. Uh, pre branch Davidian, mate. Yep. Um, not there. Decides safe. he's heading back to Oka. Uh, the littlest vampire in this crew are still not happy that fucking Kevin Bacon won't kill uh, or feed, basically. Um, so he's told he's got one more night to make a kill the gang then descend on this roadside bar and can all hell breaks loose um, yeah this is the the kind of if you're pitching this movie to someone that has never seen this movie before a couple of the big ticket items are in this particular yes scene. 100% 100% um, Paxton's basically trying to provoke a fight with everybody in the bar Uh and he's also trying to teach Kevin Faken about the kind of powers that he possesses. Kevin Faken then punches some cunt clear across the fucking room. <laughs> um, Jesse and Diamondback, they slit the waitress's throat, drain her into a glass. While the remaining patrons, which has to be said includes notorious surfing bank robber Roach, <laughs> um, all remain remarkably calm. 
<laughs> Terrified. Yeah. But, but calm. <laughs> um, this, is, listen, this is a small roadside bar. It's the first time I've seen this bus. Well, very possibly, very possibly. But they're probably not seeing the littlest vampire sitting on mm. the table making oddly suggestive dance moves and threatening motions with a sheet of paper. Yep. Fuck up, you spoffy wee dick. <laughs> um, I fucking hate that kid. Hate him. But I mean, he gets his comeuppance in a pretty nasty way, so... He does. Um... Paxson's cocaine hard on fucking kicks in at this point and just snaps this biker's neck. He ain't fucking about it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, puts on the, the guy's shades. He has a kind of pair of wayfarers, like uh, Ray-Ban wayfarers. Mm-hmm. And do you know, so there's that kind of famous scene or like still that you get a Paxson with the glasses on and yeah. a big shit and grin and he's kind of covered in blood. <coughs> I had never made the connection. But there was oh, a there was a one-off issue. It was like in a preacher companion comic that uh-huh. was based solely around the character of Cassidy. Yep, it's set previous to the main story I've been preaching. It was called Cassidy Blood and Whiskey, and the cover from that is clearly ripping off Paxton with the glasses. And the blood and all that. Cool as and fuck. I, I had never noticed it before. It's cool as fuck. Um, and obviously Cassidy is a vampire uh, mm-hmm. and, and preacher, but it's clearly where it has come from. Um, and I smirked a little grin to myself when I noticed Massive that. nerd boner. Uh, yeah, that, that's probably a better way of describing it. <laughs> um, Barman unloads a shotgun into Kevin Fakin's gut, but he just walks it off, much to his own surprise. Mm-hmm. And then Paxton slits the barman's throat with his spurs. Fucking love this. Kind of, kind of cool, has to be said. Well, he's teased uh, it all the way through. Like when he threatens um, Fakin earlier on, it's with yeah. his. His first meet is with his spurs. That's a weird way. And then you see what it does, and you're like, actually, that's pretty fucking cool. Um, May takes young Roach the bank robber for a wee dance um, and then I've, I've written here no doubt leaving him with a raging terror boner <laughs> that, that way you're so scared that you just can't help and hard as a fucking rock <laughs> um, she then offers him to Kevin Bacon but he makes a break for it Young Kevin chases him down while the rest of them torch the bar. That fat little shit, the littlest vampire, is up dancing on the bar at this point. Sadly, doesn't fall and break his fucking stupid neck. You really uh, hate Homer. Uh, oh, I loathe him. <laughs> Absolutely loathe him. Um, I, don't, I feel so sorry for him as well. Either. At the end of this movie, I feel sorry for him. I hate him. No, I hate him. The list makes it even worse. I'm going to suck your blood. <laughs> Shut up, dick. Um, Kevin Faking catches up with Roach, but he, he can't kill him and lets him go, basically. And then they all need to fuck off because the sun's coming up. Uh, they find a, a hotel in the nick of time. The owner seems to recognise Jesse from, like, years ago, mm-hmm. hinting at his age. Uh, while they're all sleeping, the police surround the motel. It's, uh, it's broad daylight outside when they wake up, which doesn't help matters. As Paxton shoots a cop and all hell breaks loose. This bit's fucking bitching as well. Yes. Um, 
Uh, I'll come back to it. I'm, I'm going to... There's scenes in this film and you can see where they've been picked up in later years by different directors and stuff mm-hmm. and just robbed. Um, yeah, so, so this huge gunfight breaks out and every time a bullet comes through the wall, like a little beam of light will shoot across the room. Mm-hmm. and it's burning them and all that I actually feel they could have made my, one of my few criticisms I think they could have made more of that in this particular yeah, yeah. scene uh, but I'm picking at things there um, I, I did think it was a, just a really cool kind of idea you know to make mm-hmm. the situation kind of worse if you like um, Kevin Fake and then he decides he's going to make a break for the van behind under a blanket to protect himself from the sun uh, which Julie does, he gets shot, manages to keep going, but basically by the time he gets to the van, he's just like full on on fire. Yeah. Um, so then just drives the van straight through the wall into the room, they all pile in and make a break for it in a hail of bullets. Uh, which, which is pretty cool, I've got to say, it's pretty bitching. Um, <clears throat> they hole up in another hotel. Uh, young Kevin Fakin's now flavour of the month, thanks to his van escapades at this mm-hmm. point. And Paxton even gives him one of his spurs. Uh, there's an interesting wee bit here where uh, Jesse reveals that he actually had fought for the Confederacy during the Civil War, mm-hmm. which I thought was quite cool. I almost wish they'd kind of expanded on it. it. It's not that type of film that, you know, in the <coughs> late, yeah. you know, in 87 when they made the film, they weren't expanding in subplots like yeah. that it's all oh, well, this movie this movie is an 80s horror movie which means it needs to get in and out in an hour and 40 and yeah da- so. damn tune damn tune but i like that we kind of twist on it that you know he'd seen some shit if you like mm-hmm. kind of thing you know oh that was pretty cool uh, may also reveals that the littlest vampire had turned her about four years ago kevin fakin's kind of growing into the lifestyle at this point seems to be digging it uh, that fat little rapist bastard vampire he's wandering about outside when he comes across this other poor wee kid turns out though there's Kevin Fakin's wee sister Yep. convinces that they come back to the room to watch TV she's surprisingly calm around this group of what at best she's a shotgun beside her bed Baz nothing well, that's kid. true that's true <laughs> um Diamondback's a wee bit cagey, so she finds out what room she's in so they can go and get her dad. Just as she goes to leave, her brother Kevin Fakin walks in, there's a big tearful reunion, but then Paxton drags the fucking dad in. Uh, all goes to shit after that. Um, Homer's got a total baby boner for this wee lassie. Uh, and he, he then says he's going to turn her in some weird revenge thing for me turning Kevin Bacon. Uh, big paw faking pulls out a hand cannon though at this point. Shoots Jesse square in the chest. Just coughs up the bullet and keeps going. Thank <laughs> the fuck. Um, Sarah makes a break for it. Opens the door. They all get burnt. Oh, we're all raging. Um... <laughs> Faking family then escape in the van with Kevin hiding under a blanket. Dad wants to take him to hospital. Uh, and then Kevin Faking 
veterinary genius strikes on this brilliant notion that he's going to get his father to completely transfuse him with clean blood. So this is, I think, because <laughs> you know, as a farmer, basically, yeah. so he can do stuff like that. I, th- I think this is the only movie that I've ever seen as hypothesized that by a cure. yeah, uh, uh, this is being a cure, and I yeah. will give it. I don't know if it's in the source material. I will give it a huge amount of props for being original, and at the same time completely impractical. But yeah. we'll just we'll just shelve that. <laughs> Yeah, I'll, I'll come. I'll come back to all that kind of stuff mm. later on. But the, the, this is the premise that how he's because in vampire, you know, you I suppose the one thing about vampire films, you don't really get that happy ending because if you're bit, you're bit, and you're fucked. You're this is it. You're not supposed. To, they don't like what, unless it's once again it's the, the kind of traditional Lost Boys thing of if you kill the head vampire, those are those that were uh, turned yeah, come back. Yeah, yeah. But once again, that's a very antiquated way of. Like, there's a lot of these things that are written into certain movies. and That doesn't happen in modern vampire movies. Like, you see, yeah. that seems to be a thing of the past. Like vampire movies now seem to be relatively tragic. Um, yeah. But in the, in the past, where we were trying to do some kind of quasi-happy ending. It's either all the vampires are dead or there's a cure. <laughs> like, uh-huh. um, so, anyway, so the sun does come up in the morning. Kevin Faking does not burst into flames. And despite all medical evidence to the contrary, he's now completely cured. Uh, so they settled in for a wholesome, perfectly normal family dinner. Mm-hmm. May's hanging outside, wee bit of fingering. She realises that he's warm. Says he's got to stay with the family. She runs off, back inside, realises the wee sister's gone. Saddles up and heads into town on a horse. Here we go. Um, He's moseying down Main Street like it's fucking high noon. Uh, Paxton ragdolls him all in town for a bit. Um, we Kevin Fagan manages to get into a truck though. Paxton kills the driver. Kevin Fagan, because he now knows how to drive a truck because the coked up black guy. I don't listen. He charges Paxton down in the truck, runs him over, but Paxton does the usual thing where he then appears on the bonnet. And he's just pulling electrics at the fucking engine <laughs> willy-nilly. Uh, but then Kevin Faken remembers his recently acquired jackknifing skills, which yeah. he uses to cause the truck not only to jackknife, but to spontaneously combust. Yeah, like the jackknifing just, skills, which were, don't ever, like, to avoid the truck doing this thing, don't do this. And he's like, that. Ah, this is what I need to do. Yeah, to kill a vampire. You also, the, the guy didn't go. I like, don't do that because it'll automatically blow up. Yeah. See, just something is petrol in it doesn't mean it will explode. Yeah, it's like that argument of if someone, like if someone, someone robs a bank and murders the teller. Yeah. What's the more serious crime? Well, the murder, surely. Right, surely the murder. But the like the, the way it'll be. The way they'll say it in the news is like you know they'll they'll, they'll put emphasis on the, the bank robbery which led to the murder as opposed to like someone is now dead and this one here had the conversation been you know if you jackknife this lorry it will explode into a ball of flames oh by the way this is how you do it you would focus on the flame bit yeah you forget the rest of it but no 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 he's like that watch this 
Hold my beer. Flips the motherfucker. Spontaneously combusts. It's bitching. Um, I love this action scene. He then faces off against Jesse in the burning Main Street. Uh, in the back of the car, the littlest vampire trying to molest his wee sister. She escapes, throws a warning to Kevin Fake, and just before Diamondback tries to stab him, and then for some reason, she completely changes and goes like, go and run for it quickly, I'll cover you. Which it's part of it, like, it's kind of sad, but they're, they get off on the hunt. Yeah, I mean, is that what it's supposed to be? See, well, yeah, it, similar to when they were held up in the, the van. Like, they get off on, like, because I think they see themselves as being impervious. So, no. like, someone, and they've also been on the earth for however long. Someone <laughs> run away, right? We don't get you just now, we will get you. you know I mean, it's. Yeah. Um, so there's a kind of chase across open fields. Uh, the bad guys end up with Sarah again. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the sun's starting to come up. May grabs Sarah, jumps out the car to try and save her. Lilith's vampire gives chase. He bursts into flames despite the fact that May was running about in the sun for far longer than he was. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's just a fat little shit that's full of blubber. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I, feel like, I feel a wee bit sorry for him because he calls out to her to look for help. And the way that a child would call for help of their mum. Mm. Uh, it's, it's one of those things. It kind of reminds me, they, they, they rip this off too fuck. And, um, although I don't know if it's in the source material. I don't know when the source material was published. So maybe came after. But Interview with the Vampire with Kirsten Dunst's character. You've seen Interview with the Vampire? No, no. again, I've seen bits of it. I kind of know what you're talking about. Yeah, but... Kirsten Dunst is essentially, she's a she's a, a child yeah when uh. she's converted and obviously she uh, ages in her brain so she wants to become sexually active and all the rest but you know things have moved on and she she dies a pretty gruesome death with all the qualities of a child it's, it's fucking fucked up <laughs> it's like anything mm-hmm. they do in that movie is instantly whenever there's a vampire that's a kid that's fucked up the Lost Boys do it as well stars are uh, a, a yeah. vampire as well, isn't she? Yeah. So, there's like you've still never seen the what we do in the shadows TV series, have you? No, I keep meaning I, I will eventually get oh, around to it because so I good. the thing is, I know I'll fucking love it, and that's, the, that's what's not the impetus for me to watch it. Is I know I'll fucking love it. The it's Matt Berry's character in it, Laszlo. There's a, this kind of subplot that he basically turned a baby into a vampire. <laughs> <laughs> and it's been a complete fucking catastrophe <laughs> and he just like the pure vampiric council and all that when he did that some maniac turned a baby into a vampire <laughs> fucking hilarious oh it's very good anyway moving on um yeah so Sabine's jumped out the car so she's running away wee fat vampire kid bursts into flames it basically explodes yeah. Caleb manages to protect uh, Mayway's fucking magical denim jacket of fire protection <laughs> plus four or whatever it is <laughs> fucking Dungeons and Dragons armor or something that he wears um, and, and, and slightly anticlimactically Jesse and Diamondback just kind of burn up in the car although I did like the way the car just slowly rolls off the road 
it doesn't explode, you know, it's just like, the, well, it does eventually, I think, when they explode, but like flames coming out and that. I, I, I think it... I think it fits the, the kind of weird genre that it sits in. That kind of yeah, yeah, Western-style yeah. vampire movie. Like, your you're two, you're two heroes or slash villains end up kind of riding off into the... Like, it wouldn't be uncharacteristic of a Western movie to have someone, you know, riding off on a horse in sunset and then keeling over. You know, yeah, that, I think it's that sort of thing, yeah, yeah. but it's done in a car. I think that's basically. Yeah, no, fair it. enough. Yeah, uh, that's no a bad reasoning. Try, try to, like, if this gets me an extra half a star, I'll be happy about it. Um, Jesse then uses his magical cow transfusion kit to cure me. <laughs> magical cow transfusion. And everything's great, despite the fact that she's essentially a murderer. She's a um, murderer and. No, she's a murderer. <laughs> so yeah. There's no end here. She's a murderer. Uh, and then happy it's basically ending. a freeze frame and into the credits. Yeah, yeah so you do get the happy ending. Um, great movie, man. Yes, really, Baz. Really, really good Fucking film. yes. No, yes, there, yes, there's yes. no getting away. Soundtrack is other level. Mm-hmm. Um, just a really good take on, on a vampire movie. It's, it's almost like in a western noir. 100% thing you know yep. it's far more than a vampire movie um, and and <coughs> you can see the the influence it's had in other films now I, I know you're saying it came out at the same time as the Lost Boys and it has a similar kind of vibe yep. to the Lost Boys it's maybe not as it doesn't have the shiny kind of comedic elements like you've got with the Frog no. Brothers and stuff yeah. like that in, in the Lost Boys movies, you know, and people aren't quite as pretty as they mm-hmm. are in the Lost Boys, maybe. Um, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> but you can see things like later movies like John Carpenter's Vampires. Oh, 100%. You can yeah, see yeah. <laughs> a heavy, heavy vibe take for us from dusk till dawn. Mm-hmm. Um, you can see that uh, particularly in that kind of bar scene, the bar fight scene that you mentioned yep. earlier on, Dunk. and um, even something like the Devil's Rejects when they're holed up in that motel and the, the yeah, cops yeah. are shooting in, you know, I mean, it, I, I I just think, I, I feel that this film is a far-reaching kind of uh, tendrils, if mm-hmm. you like, uh, in, in horror cinema going forward. Um, I thought it was great. I thought Paxton was phenomenal. He's so fucking good in this. It's one of my favourite performances of an actor who I think has innumerable amazing performances. I think he's fucking amazing in it. Um, And Hendrickson as well. Um, To be honest, Pazdar, who's not a bad actor, and I don't dislike the guy at all, he's probably one of the weaker ones in it. Um, He is, yeah. As a a main uh, guy, he's pretty vanilla. Yeah, yeah, very much so. But uh, again, that does not detract from the, um, you know, from the film itself. I, I quite like the way that he kind of fights against the the kind of lifestyle that he's been forced to adopt, yeah. if you like, and then does seem to lean into it after he saves them. You know, he feels almost part of the group, and then. 
kind of gets pulled back from the brink, if you like, in order mm-hmm. to save his family. Um, so I quite liked all that. The the transfusion thing is a bit hokey, but I just <laughs> and I and I thought about this for quite a lot, um, and I just I just feel that there's. There's too much good in this film not to get a pass on that. Do you know what I mean? Fucking God bless your cotton socks, Baz. Um, it, yeah. I, I could have done without it. Yeah, it, it's a little bit dumb. I take your point. They've maybe tried to do a kind of original thing with it. I think, it, yeah, I think I think um, I look at it, once again, having not read the source material, I don't know if that's something they've had to carry over from the book. Yeah. Um, I mean, and it, always, also, always... it probably wasn't the worst thing in 1987 yeah, I, yeah exactly we're watching I'd... it what, yeah. 35 years later or something like that yeah yeah so we're like <laughs> medical science would never be able to you know like I think yeah. there's, a, there's a part of me as well that appreciates when movies try and do something different and this one at least is doing the oh we can bring him back this is how we would do it and there's enough kind of pseudoscience bullshit from like you see like 87 where someone might watch that and go all right you know without going like yeah. that never fucking never in a million years would that work um so i, um, I kind of i can't i don't hate it i like and every time i see it I, my eyes do roll a little bit I'll, yeah I'll be yeah honest. yeah because it's, but a I, I, but it's a movie I, about vampires, so... Yeah, I know. I, I think if, if somebody like me can turn a kind of blind eye to it, it shows the quality of the film. That yeah. I can move by that and not get too hung up on it, as you say. You go, oh, that's a bit dumb. But <laughs> it doesn't lessen my enjoyment of this film. Um, the, the other thing, just kind of last words there. So, obviously, I've raved about the... Um, the soundtrack, but mm. some of the cinematography and stuff in that as well, particularly yeah. that kind of dusk, kind of say, you know, when he's riding the horse into town, and mm-hmm. slowly see the sun rising in the background. It just some of it is just gorgeous to watch. Have you ever seen the Hitcher? No. Right. So no. this is one of the things I always come back to with the hit it's something to do with it must be like the presence of Eric Red as a writer I think he must like this setting but the cinematography those shots that you're talking about are all the way through the hit chart I think right. it is it is one that Second Sight are putting out on 4K UHD next year and I physically cannot wait to, to, to have my hands on it when I get it we're watching it at Mings yeah. like on the big telly it is. I think it is like a. I think it's one of the best shot movies of the eighties. I think it is like fucking chef's really? kiss good, and it's yeah. all those shots. It's all the cinematography, the sun rising or setting, and characters along dusty roads and all, like all that stuff. And you're right, like Bigelow, like fucking nails it here. She captures that. That's what if you watch a a western movie. That's what you have, like the characters. Yes, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. The the reason the characters are the way they are, that that are loners or survivors or whatever, is because of the environment around them, and the fact that that's as prevalent in this movie is fucking great. The fact that these these people, these nomads, can travel around in RVs. It's a small attention to detail. It's this. It's the black spraying of windows to stop the sunlight ah, coming in that you just yeah, don't see the that, like, tape and all that yeah yeah like all that stuff where like there's urgency there 
that you don't see in other movies. I, I just think, I'd, like you mentioned, I think it is so far ahead of its time on certain things that now are just par for the course for how certain movies operate, vampire movies in particular, that it was doing it, like, it was thinking, once again, you've got to think it's the source material, but the, the fact that that was written in there shows that someone gave a shit about it. Mm-hmm. Whereas I feel you get a lot of vampire movies kind of post this, immediately post this, that they don't think about this at all and it becomes back to business as usual, which is a bit of a shame. Um, but this, Lost Boys is full of that as well. Lost Boys yeah. is full of touches and little details that make you think, oh, someone gave a shit about this. And both those movies come out in the later half of the 80s where, to be honest, horror movies were starting to drag a little bit. You know, mm-hmm. they become very outlandish, very over the top. Coked out is the best way to describe them. They were all fucking... Like ways to launder money or spend shitloads of money and do drugs, and then you see these two little movies that come out not that far apart, both dealing with like elements that were of uh, a decade before, well, were tiresome a decade before, like that, and they bring them back and they do them in really, really interesting ways and unique ways that make them remarkable movies. Like Fright yeah. Night is a remarkable movie because it plays it old school, it plays it like a fifties kind of. B movie kind of like rear window sort of you know Hitchcockian horror. It, it's it's totally fun. Yeah, it Lost is Boys, the neighbor of vampire type thing. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Um, Lost Boys is the epitome of these. Oh, 100%, it's all those yeah. it's all those movies that you got in the eighties. But guess what? There's vampires in it. And and Near Dark is well. Let's take vampires and let's put them in a kind of western, like you said, western noir sort of saying with bitching fucking synths and you know like yeah. and let's just play it out and you get these three completely different flavors of something that less than 15 years before was so cookie cut that christopher lee couldn't get his contract with hammer and virtually does an entire dracula movie where he will he doesn't say a word and the reason he doesn't say a word throughout the whole whole movie is he fucking hated the script and he was like, "That I will be your Dracula, but I will not say a word." Um, like, like that—that's that's what you're dealing with. Like these tired things, and then you get this mini resurgence, and then within a couple of years, horror's pretty much dead. And we're we're and it's psychological thrillers. And guess what? Vampires don't make great things for psychological mm-hmm. thrillers until you get an interview with the vampire, where things start to pick up. But even then, that movie plays vampires in a very traditional light. Um, so yeah, it's 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 a, it's a woefully underseen movie, um, mm-hmm. but like you see, I think you can trace the filmmakers and screenwriters that have seen it because there are big bits in their movies that come wholesale from this movie. And I mean, it wouldn't be a Christmas Eve episode without at least one technical snafu. Um, but we're going to bring it home. We're going to bring it home. Baz, there's an important question that I need to ask you, my friend. You know what we do Yes. Here. Those Netflix grades or letterboxed or whatever we're doing. One through five. One is hated it. Two is didn't like it. Three's liked it. Four is really liked it. Five is loved it. You get those point fives if you want to use them. What are you giving Near Dark from 1987? Um, I think I'm going to give it a 4.5. Oh, tickle my tits. I will take that, my friend. It's a five for me, and I yeah. anything like anything that's within spitting distance of that five makes me very fucking happy. Uh, no, I, I really, I genuinely love this film. I would, I would happily watch this film again. Fucking um, yes! Like, 
next week I would sit and watch this again because you know what I mean it's a, it's a great great movie um, just very it reminded me a lot while it's not particularly like The Lost Boys it just yeah. took me back to that kind of era um, yeah just so so much to enjoy in it that and like I say the, the few little bits in it that I maybe didn't really like there's there's just there's so much good in it; it just completely outweighs that, and you, you can just skate by that. I mean, the Lost Boys is not the tightest plot that's ever been fucking committed <laughs> to celluloid. Do you know what I mean? Uh, but it's still a bloody great film, mm-hmm. um, and this this is exactly the same. I, I just I love the western vibe about it. I thought they really hit that well. Um, yeah, it just, it just goes to show, again, what a great filmmaker Catherine Bigelow is. Do you know what I mean? She really, um, like, really is. I, I don't think I've ever seen a movie that she, in a genre that she turned her hand to that didn't, like, <laughs> even if I didn't like the movie, I didn't come away from it going, that was a really fucking well-made movie. Yeah, you know yeah, mean? yeah, absolutely. Just absolutely. just an incredible filmmaker. Um, yep. Buzz, let's bring this show in for a close. Um... As, as always been a fucking blast recording with you this year um, we will be doing stuff next year no doubt um, get some cinema visits under our belt a couple of short episodes a couple of those yeah. NPCs episodes and uh, inevitably start planning um, Bazoween 2024 <laughs> giving ourselves plenty of time plenty to watch and review and not be stressed at the end I'm sure that is exactly what will happen. It's exactly how it'll go down, no? <laughs> Exactly how it'll go down. No, Adam, yeah, and there's still a few other wee projects, some of the wee true crime things that we've been promising yeah. we were going to get done and we just Need haven't to take for away. various yeah. reasons. So there's, there'll, be, there'll be plenty going on next year. Um, Which reminds me, as an update, I listened to at least one of your podcast suggestions. Which one did you listen to? I listened to the one about the Edinburgh lawyers. Oh, uh, Shiny Bob. Which was fucking riveting. I listened to yeah, it all to... in a night. So, yeah. like, during one of my lovely insomnia bouts, I fucking, yeah. like, like Hasselhoff eats a burger, I consumed it messily in one sitting. Um, so yeah, it was great. It's fucking awesome. Yeah, that was really good. Please, please, please listen to The Cruelty. I will do, man. It's on the list. It's got downloaded. Um, because that's... I, I keep on at my daughter um, to listen to that as well. In fact, she's doing her, her honours paper is to do with sort of childhood trauma and how yeah. it can affect education and so on. And, and there was... She, she was talking about the other day, she specifically mentioned the travelling community and I was like, mm-hmm. you've got to listen to that podcast. Um you know so yeah no i'm glad you enjoyed it uh, shiny bob funny i was asking my uh, i asked my um father-in-law mm-hmm. if he had ever come across him because obviously he was a a lawyer and he was involved in courtroom law you know for a long time when he was yep. younger um he, he said the name was kind of vaguely familiar he'd mm-hmm. heard of it but um he did say that he could remember this kind of idea of a kind of cabal of kind of gay judges. He said he'd heard rumours and stuff over the years and stuff like that. I would imagine a community of lawyers is such that, you know, that does the the yeah. rumour mill. You know, works its yeah. way through. 
But um, it, it was in particular, it was how all that ended. Oh, I. You know, it's like, well, there's your real secret. That's what was going on here. Yeah. It was nothing to do with all this other stuff. Yeah. This is what it was about. Great, it's great, great storytelling as well. I, I really oh, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. It's very, very, very well done. Very well put together. Yeah. Uh, the, the other good one, I think, as I mentioned to you, was the one about missing Madonna as well. That's and right, yeah. Which is, I also have downloaded. I, I put them yeah. all on my uh, all on my machine when uh, when you mentioned them. But I, I thought I better mention that because I think I've been meaning to mention it the last three times we've seen each other. And I haven't done it, so did listen to it <laughs> almost straight away. So it's very good. Nice, nice, excellent. All right, right my friend. Well, we bring this in. Do you want to say what? goodbye and wish our listeners a merry Christmas and a happy new year, Buzz? I will, I will. I hope you've enjoyed this interview, uh, this review of the night of folks of Neil Dark. Um, I hope you weren't too disappointed <laughs> about the trash hampers fiasco. But Liam just, right now is beside himself, yeah. but he'll just have to yeah. get over it. Yeah. Anybody that cares about that can just go and fuck themselves. <laughs> um, I, uh, I hope you've all enjoyed the... the, the small amount that I've contributed to the show this year. Hopefully we'll be back a bit more regular next year, folks, but I will I'm not making any promises, but I will definitely be back yes. in some form or another. Um, and if you don't hear from me before, have a great Christmas, a great New Year, celebrate it, however the fuck you do. If you don't celebrate Christmas, have a good time doing whatever you do. If you don't celebrate anything, finger your other half. <laughs> you know, I'm just Make your own fun. And I'll uh, I will see you all in the fullness of time. How do you follow that up? You don't follow that up. Merry Christmas and a happy new year when it comes to each and every single one of you. And uh, we will speak to you all diligently in the new year. Take care. Bye. <laughs>